we are starting a shorter sermon series on prayer. Can you say prayer? Called Jesus Prayer Stories. Can you say that with me? Jesus Prayer Stories. So in this series, we are going to talk about three different parables Jesus spoke about prayer. You know, I, I, I believe that as we are in, in the season of prayer, it is very appropriate to continue in the same direction talking about prayer. We are going to learn different aspects of prayer, how powerful prayer is, and at the same time, how dangerous prayer is, and why prayer is so important in our lives, and how do we pray according to the will of God, and what is the most important thing in every prayer that we make, and what does it mean really when prayer doesn't get answered? There are so many things we are going to cover during this three-sermon short series. So we read these three parables. We will not go there now. Luke chapter 11 and Luke chapter 18. We read the three parables of prayer. Can you say parables? Luke chapter 11 starts with one of the disciples asking Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, can you teach us to pray? Have you ever seen, you know, seen in your life that someone coming to you and asking you, can you teach me, can you tell me how to pray? Have you ever had that experience? No? I have heard when people come back to Christ, come to Christ for the first time, they don't know what to pray, how to pray. They'll come and ask, can you tell us how to pray? I know you're praying, but I, I'm unable to pray like you. Can you teach how to pray? So exactly the same way disciples came to Lord Jesus and they asked, uh, they asked, John the Baptist taught to his disciples how to pray. Can you teach us too? And in Luke chapter 11, Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer. And immediately after Jesus opened his mouth with a parable, when he spoke about Lord's Prayer, you know, it, it was too tough for disciples to understand. Are you with me? When Jesus spoke about the parables, Lord, uh, 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 the, the, the Lord's Prayer, it was very tough for disciples to understand. And they couldn't understand really what Jesus is talking about. And immediately Jesus switched to parables. Parable. Parables are short stories. Can, I see, can you see short stories? So Jesus is the greatest storyteller on the face of this earth. So, so Jesus is the best, can you say best? Jesus is the best storyteller on the face of this earth. Nobody else can tell story like Jesus. You know, some of the stories, you know, he, Jesus spoke, uh, Jesus told, uh, as we read in the Gospels, they, they are really amazing. I have never come across such a great storyteller. So Jesus opened that chapter with a parable, a story of a man who accepted his friend very late in the night in his house, but he had no food. He never expected you know, come on, the way we do, he did not go and wake up his wife. You know, come, 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 get up, get up, and make some food for her because my friend has come. We do it, right? Without any mercy, we tell her, you need to cook because my, I have invited my friend. You know, she may say that, oh, you should have told me yesterday. No, 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 I invited only today morning. You should have told me at least a few hours before. No, 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 I invited only now. Can you make some food? 
a very clever friend. He didn't wake up his wife, but instead he called another friend. He called another friend in order to get some food. So that's a beautiful story that we read in Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 8. Can we read that together as we get that on screen? Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And he said to them, can you read out loud? And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, maybe. Verse 6, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Verse 7, and he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. What a beautiful, amazing friend, isn't it? Isn't he? So, verse 8, I say to you, Though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence. Another version says, shameless persistence. He will rise and give him as many as he needs. Did you understand the story? Did you understand the story? You know, we see here a friend calling another friend and asking him, can you get some three loaves of bread. And he had it very well, but you know what he said? He said, I'm already on my bed, and my children are on bed. I can't really do anything. I can't read. The door is already shut. I can't really come and help you. So this morning, I would like to title my sermon as Jesus' Prayer Stories, Shameless Persistence. Can you say that with me? Shameless Persistence. Can you put the next slide? Shameless persistence means boldly taking a risk of being persistent in prayer to receive something from God. Can you read that with me? Can you try to understand that? What is shameless persistence? Boldly taking a risk of being persistent in prayer to receive something from God. That's what is known as shameless persistence. So parables are stories, as I said. They have literal meaning as well as they have spiritual meaning. So this morning we are going to little analyze this parable so that we can dig out the spiritual truths from this parable. Number one, no doubt that the friend or the man who was in that house, he was a man of hospitality. A man of generous spirit who entertains guests who takes care of friends, who accepts visitors and strangers into his house. Do we have anybody like, like that in this house here? Opening the house for visitors and strangers and asking them to stay with us for some time. A man of generous spirit and generous heart. It's good to have friends. And this morning, as I, yesterday I was preparing for this sermon, I was thinking about friends. How many friends I have? How many friends do you have? That's the question. Do we have friends? No? Yes? It's good to have friends. Bible says, Bible talks too much about friends. Too many things are told about friends. Friends are, you know, usually influencers. They influence us either in a good way or in a bad way. 
But it is good to have good friends so that, you know, they can influence our lives in a good way. It is also good to have bad friends so that we can influence their lives in a good way. So you need to have both good friends and... Is it a wrong teaching? You need to have both good friends and... I know, you're all so afraid, that thinking that, you know, if, what way if the bad friend influences me? Right? That's a good thought. That's a valid thought. Remember Jesus? Jesus had 99 good sheep. And he had one disobeying sheep. That sheep was disobedient, always rebellious. Doesn't come home at all. Always lives in the streets. Always go behind people. But Jesus went behind. Went behind that one sheep. Jesus had Jesus ate with sinners. So that he can influence their lives. If we don't do it, we defeat the purpose of our existence as a church. So it's good to have friends so that we can influence their lives. Do not worry about they doing something for you because you are anointed. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Nothing can touch you. But you need to change their lives. You need to influence their lives. It's very important to invite guests in our house. It's very hard to, it's easy to preach, but then hard to practice. We'll say we have only three bedrooms and those three bedrooms are occupied with no more guests. Right? So, but this man accepted his friend. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 says how important it is to invite guests into our house. Do not forget to entertain strangers, people who are unknown to us. For by so doing some have unwittingly, that means without being aware, unintentionally entertained angels. The word of God. We don't know who comes and stays. And they leave tomorrow morning, next day morning. And we don't really hear about them anymore. Word of God says we need to invite strangers. Last week there was an accident that took place in Nova Scotia. Some of you may be aware of that. A BC family drew here, came to visit Nova Scotia, and then they got into an accident and on Highway 4. And the woman who was sitting at the back had to be airlifted to the hospital with life-threatening injuries. And I got a call from one of my friends, 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 in a third level. Can somebody help? Can you just go and meet and see? And then we got connected with them. And then yesterday, I really thankful Rishab and Meenakshi, they could go and bless that family with some food and trying to do some, some support. They are not believers. They are not Christians. We need to invite strangers. We need to entertain strangers. That's the word of God. God really honors us being hospitable. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9. Can you read that with me? Be hospitable to one another. Do you get that on the screen? Can you read it with me? Be hospitable to one another without grumbling, without complaining. Just be hospitable. Appreciate and accept people. It's very hard. It, you know, that's the reason, you know, there's a bunch of disciples. They left Jesus because it is hard teaching. We can't follow. We want to always be in the same group we are very comfortable with. 
But Jesus is telling, be hospitable, even invite strangers. This man accepted a friend at home very late in the night. And now he had to look for food. So he called another friend. That's really a sacrificial act of hospitality, I believe. Secondly, friendship doesn't work beyond bedtime. Friendship doesn't work beyond bedtime. So here is a friend who refused to give food to the friend saying, it's already late, I am on my bed with my children, I can't really get up and open the door for you. See here, the friendship is what is keeping them together, but now based on the friendship, he's unable to help. So here we see the friendship failing. Really we see the friendship failing, fading away. But we need to understand same time that's another family. People cannot be stretched far beyond. You know, sometimes we try to stretch people, you know, when we have friendship with them, but then you know what? Friendship breaks. Have you ever experienced that? Oh, you're not saying anything. Have you ever experienced that broken friendship? Yes? Okay. Friends are human too. We need to understand. But Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 13, can you read that with me? Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. There are friends in this world, even they're willing to sacrifice their lives. We come across stories. Somebody is about to drown into the water. The friend was seeing him and he jumped into the water in order to rescue that somebody and he lost his life. You know, friendship is very important. Of course, the scripture also refers to Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one who gave his life. Here we see a friend refusing to even get up from the bed. Can you imagine what kind of friendship is that? How many of us got disappointed really when we had some friends? And their responses towards, towards us in times, uh, in, in bad times in our lives. People are around us when we, everything is good. People are around us when everything is going on well. But when we get into some trouble, we see people leaving us. We see people leaving us. We are living in that kind of world, this kind of world. How many of us had friends and they eventually they turned into our enemies. I want you to think this morning, in the early days of ministry, we had a friend who moved to Halifax from another province only because he really loved us, who liked us so much. But today, that person, even, he doesn't even talk to me. We are living in a world where people, friends, they easily turn into enemies. So Jesus is teaching a lesson here. Sometimes, you know, you, we get carried away with our friends. If they are really good friends, godly friends, they will lead you in the right way. They will take you in the right way. They will put you in the right path. They will help you to improve your spiritual life. But if they are not good friends, they're going to affect your spiritual life. They're going to affect your family life. And it will eventually affect your children. 
Today I have seen, I'm seeing people getting carried away with bad fellowship and bad friends. That's the reason, that's the only reason scripture is very strict that we need to have. We cannot have fellowship with unbelievers. We cannot have fellowship with unbelievers, right? But we can be friends, we must be friends with them. But we have no fellowship with them. We cannot take part in whatever they do. We cannot go wherever they go. We cannot speak the same way they speak because you are a child of God. God wants to see the difference in your life. You can't have fellowship. You can't, Bible even says, you can't even have even partnership with them. Even in business, we cannot have partnership with an unbeliever because things are not going to go well down the line. Scripture wants us. Even scripture says you cannot be equally, unequally yoked with an unbeliever even in marriage. But we need to be friends with everybody. Jesus was known as the friend of sinners. Friend of sinners. Now the man is in a very critical situation. He has to feed his friend. Who's a guest? So he called for help and help is not available, it looks like. Now Jesus wants to drive to the main point of the story. When the friend, he realized that situation, he did not give up. Instead, he started pushing hard with persistence. Thirdly, the third point, the final point today is shameless persistence. Shameless persistence simply means boldly taking a risk of being persistent in prayer to receive something from God. This morning I pray that God wants your prayer to be persistent. I pray that God may speak to you this morning. Persistence works. Let's read verse 8 again. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So what made the difference now? Earlier he was not willing to give. Now he is willing to give. What made the difference? Persistence. He was persisting. He was forcing. He was, you know, uh, putting pressure to get things done. Can put the next slide, please. We are going to ask a couple of questions. You know, question is a good way to get some answers. Question number one, how many prayer requests we dropped? We stopped praying for. How many prayer requests we prayed for one day, two days, three days, or a few weeks? And we don't pray that for anymore. We asked God to give that at times. And we gave upon those things this morning. God is reminding you to go back and pick up those prayer requests. You came to a conclusion that it's not going to happen anyway. What's the point in praying about it? We ourselves concluded that probably it's not God's will. God is not going to do it anymore. This morning God is teaching it's not going to be done just because you are a child of God. It's not just going to be done because you think that God knows what you need. It's not just going to happen because you think that he's going to give it anyway for his people. It's not going to happen. It will happen only when we persist. Can I hear an amen? That's the reason this parable is embedded in the word of God. If the friend would have kept quiet, if the friend was not persisting, he would not have received his bread. That friend's friend would have starved in his house. What a shame probably on him if he couldn't give him anything. 
So God wants you to push forward. God wants you to pick up those prayer requests that you already dropped, thinking that it's not going to work anyway. This morning, God wants you to take that again, put that in your diary again, and start praying for those things again in your life. Push and persist so that God may answer those prayer requests. And I cannot stop here because it's not balanced yet. My teaching is not balanced yet. Second question, can we force God to do everything through prayer? Can we force God? This parable looks like we can persist and get anything that we want from God. Second question is, can we force God to do everything through prayer? What do you think? Okay, I'll not wait for your answer, okay? Let me go. Yeah, so we have, maybe we have different ideas, different opinions. Let's see what the Word of God says. So when we overdo certain things in our lives, listen to me carefully, it becomes abusive in nature. When we do overdo certain things in our lives, it becomes abusive in nature when we misuse the God-given authority in our lives. It becomes abusive in nature. When you use God-given gifts for a wrong purpose, it's misuse. It's an abuse. Listen to me carefully. In the same way, prayer can be used for wrong purpose. That's the way I said prayer brings blessings. Also, prayer is very dangerous. Prayer also can be used for wrong purpose. For example, I have seen people praying and fasting to buy a house which they cannot afford. And when we ask them, why do you need that house? They say that I have another friend of mine who came from the same country in the same time and he came after one year after me. Now he got the permanent residency and he got such a beautiful house. Pastor, can you pray for me so that I can get a house which is bigger than that particular house? Now the prayer and fasting is just only to buy a house that must be bigger than, are you with me? That particular house. Today we see believers fasting and praying for blessings with the wrong motives. I want you to listen to me carefully because there's a thin line that we need to understand. We need to be careful. Last week I was talking to someone. He's a very senior matured, matured believer. He said to me, Prathana undangil, ilohati endu vayanangil nedi edukkan pattum. That means, sorry about that, that means if prayer is there, we can achieve anything in this world. I was listening to him because he is 30, 40 years a matured man of God. And I was about to say, brother, there is something that is known as God's will. There is something that is known as God's timing. There is condition, precondition such as faith. There is precondition such as if you abide in me and my words in you, then it will happen. Whatever you ask, you will receive. Brother, there are many preconditions. It's not just easy if you pray for anything. If you have only prayer, you can get everything that you have inside the world, in the world. You can put the next slide. I end up in writing this. Your spiritual maturity, can you read that with me? If your spiritual maturity is known by what you ask in prayer. 
Your spiritual maturity is known by what you ask in prayer. If you ask for only material blessings, you are a baby believer. Can you say baby believer? If you ask for only material blessings in this world, you are a baby believer. It doesn't matter which denomination you belong to, which church you go, how many years you are walking with the Lord. You are just a baby believer. If you ask for others' blessings, you are an young believer. Can you say young believer? If you ask for eternal blessings of life transformations, you are an adult believer. If you ask for only God's will to be done in all these, you are a matured believer. Does it make sense? Can I hear an amen? You know, God wants us to be matured. It doesn't really matter how long we, how long we have been walking with the Lord. We need to be careful. Our prayer becomes sinful at times. The moment we try to twist the hands of God. We fast. Where do you fast? I want this, I want that. One man of God told me, straight away, face to face, do not fast for, for material blessings. Do not fast, not even for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Fast so that God can change your life. God can change your character. God can change your attitude. Fasting and prayers Cannot continue for material blessings. How long you can do it as a baby believer? The idea of prayer, praying to change God's will, is suggesting that we know something better than God. Sometimes we are, you know, very, very adamant. God, I want this. I want this boy. I want this girl. Looks like we know it's much better than God knows. Jesus sets an example in the Garden of Gethsemane for God's will to be done. Jesus did not apply a shameless persistence to change God's will, did he? No. He did not persist there. God, you must change. I'm not ready to be crucified, Lord. You must change, Lord, because the word of God says, Lord, you must do it, oh God. Jesus did not pray. In his humanity, he said, Father, it's too difficult for me to go through the crucifixion at the cross. But Lord God, let your, let your, can I hear that out loud? Let your will be done. Question number three. When do we don't persist? When do we persist in prayer? We don't persist in prayer to become like somebody. We don't persist in prayer to become better than somebody. That's not the agenda of prayer. We don't persist to gain wealth more than what we need. We all need to have a decent life. We pray for that. We pass for that. But we don't really persist God to gain more wealth than what we need. We don't really persist God in prayer to meet all of our selfish desires. At times we are selfish. We don't even care about who's sitting next to us. We don't even care about neighbor's child. We don't even care about, you know, who's working with us. We don't persist in prayer. At times for the destruction of people who hate us. We never pray even. Forget about persisting. We don't even pray that God, you have to show that, that I am a Child of God. How many of us pray that way, that prayer? When somebody has done something against you, 
Don't you pray that God do something to them, show something to them. They need to know that I'm a child of God. Wrong prayer. Sorry, wrong prayer. Can't even pray that. Can't even pray that. That's not our business. It's God's business. It's God's business to prove yourself that you are true or you are a, good, you are a child of God. It's not our business. We can never pray that prayer. And how can you think bad thing to happen on those who don't like you? You can never do it. Wrong things. We don't persist to things against the plan of God concerning our lives. James chapter 4, verse 3, reading from NIV. Bible says, James 4, 3, when you ask, can you read that with me? When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. That's the reason God has not given certain things. So we don't persist in those areas. But, we, but God wants us to be persistent in certain other areas. What are those areas where we need to be found persisting? While praying for salvation. While praying for the salvation of somebody in your family, somebody in your life. We need to be persisting, God. We need to be found persisting. Life transformation, change of lives, change of people. We should be persisting. Until it happens, we should not leave God. We need to knock the door, seek and ask and seek and knock. We're praying for the work of God. Somewhere, somewhere the work of God is affected because of something, maybe financial issues or some misunderstanding or, you know, the church is going through a trouble sometime. We should be praying for them. We should persist God. While praying according to the will of God, we should be found persisting. First John chapter 5, verse 14. Can you read this with me? First John 5, 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in Jesus. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So when we are asking anything according to his will, he hears us. But now the question is, how do you know what is his will? How do I know what to persist? Because I should know what is his will. As a child of God, as a believer, we know what is God's will. When we are praying for healing, healing is God's will. When you are praying for deliverance, when you are for praying for baby blessings and future life partners and your career, you know, your house and car and whatever basic necessities that we need, we can pray to God and ask God to his, for his will to be done in those areas. God wants us to be persisting in those areas where we know it's the will of God. But when we are not sure whether it's the will of God, leave it to God's will. When we do not know whether we need to ask, we need to persist. You should ask God, you must give that to me. Whether you are not sure, just leave it to God. And you do all the prayer and finally give it to God and say that, God, if it is your will, let it happen. When my dad was about to die, the ministers of God, they came there to, for prayer, obviously, right? So we invite them, we just tell them, let them know. There are many known people, they all came to pray. But when beyond a certain point, you know, we were sure that we should not ask God to give him back. Probably we pray and let him into the hands of God, to God's will. Let God's will be done. Not only in that area, in every area of our lives, 
God wants us to look for God's will. There are many dark areas. There are many unknown areas. We do not know whether to do it right or do what we do is right or wrong. We need to wait upon the Lord to know whether it is the will of God. If it is the will of God, when you pray about it, God will give you the perfect peace. God will give you the assurance. God will speak to you. God will confirm that to you. It's the will of God. And this morning, God wants our prayer to be right. And God wants our prayer to be persisting so that we will be able to mature in our spiritual walk with the Lord. I want to summarize and close. Shall we all just stand? God wants us to be persistent in our prayers that are made with the right motive, for the right motive. They are according to the will of God. Many things in life won't happen because at times we ask God with the wrong motive and those things will not happen in our life. Persisting to achieve wrong things eventually change into sinful things. If you persist for wrong things in our lives, you know what? God may give that at times, but eventually we will have the pain of it. We will experience the pain that comes along with us. And this morning I want you to know, we do not know what we need for our lives. He knows. He knows. He knows the best that you need for your life. If you are a child of God, God has given that to you in your lives. This morning, can we take a moment this morning as we come before the throne of grace in prayer? Shall we just close our eyes in prayer?